right, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris, one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk. Welcome to all of you that are in the room with me here at the Brader Way site and everyone uh, that is joining us uh, at one of the venues here uh, at Brader Way, uh, Gospel Fusion uh, Traditions. And those of you who are watching uh, online, welcome. So good to have you uh, with us. And those of you who are at Blackhawk Downtown, those of you at Blackhawk Fitchburg, welcome. To everybody, special shout out to Blackhawk Chinese Ministry, Di Zhongzheming Ping An, and a fantastic New Year celebration that they had yesterday. Isn't that cool what you saw? I mean, this is like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah there you go. Awesome. Great. And hey, uh, since you're clapping, let's uh, hear it for the university students who've come back to Madison. Let's hear a shout out for all those guys. Yeah, yeah. We love you guys. Blackhawk downtown. We love you guys. Awesome. Okay, show of hands. Here we go. Show of hands. How many of you like to go on a road trip? Show of hands. All sides and venues. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, my wife and I, love road trips. We liked them when we were younger. They were okay when we were middle-aged. Now that we're older, oh my. We love road trips so much. They uh, cement the bond that we have with each other, and they pave over difficulties that we might have just had. How do you like those puns uh, right there? So they are really important for our uh, relationship. We just love road trips. But we're weird uh, with road trips because we don't really like listen to music that much. Uh, we listen to books sometimes, but mostly we are just like quiet, and we like just talk to each other. Remember, we did a road trip once to Colorado. I was really excited about getting a playlist together. I got this playlist together. We go out to Colorado. We come back to Wisconsin. As we're entering back into Wisconsin, I go, oh, my gosh, I put a playlist together. We forgot all about it. We did the whole thing without listening to music at all because we just, like, we just love to talk to each other. It just bonds us uh, together so much. And we're kind of weird uh, now that we're older because we do spontaneous. So when we were younger, we had kids in the car. We didn't do spontaneous. We were like A to B, man, we just got to get there, you know, get the kids out of the car, you know. But now we're like spontaneous. You know those brown road signs that say historical marker ahead? Yeah, we stop for those. Yeah, we stop for those. And we, you know, we like read, you know, whatever the history people have put together. And it's like, is, is this awesome? And we're do, we do spontaneous things like uh, we don't know sometimes where we're going to spend the night. So my wife likes to sit in the car and kind of like figure that out. And, um, but when, wherever we spend the night, where, whatever hotel it is, the hotel's got to have two things going for it. It has to have a Starbucks nearby and a McDonald's nearby because those are our drinks of preference in the morning when we wake up. I've got to have a coffee, and my wife has to have a um, uh, not, a, uh, not a Coke, but an unsweetened uh, iced tea. It used to be $1. six. It's gone up. I'm a little mad about that. Yeah, somebody said, yeah, I know. <laughs> there you go. That's right. So we have to have those in the morning. It's easy to find um, a Starbucks or a McDonald's uh, wherever you're at. And we, we just, you know, I mean, they're all the same. Whether you're in Madison, Maine, or Montana, you're going to get the same drinks. Easy to find because of one of these things. So we like have GPS, obviously, and so we can just ask it, you know, to, and then just going to show it, and there we go, and it's easy. GPSs have changed our life. It's no biggie. We all use them. 
constantly, and there you go. Hey, you may not know this, but actually, paper maps are making a comeback because the younger generation, Gen Z, who's, they don't know anything but this, are like, hey, what about those paper maps? Because Gen Z is more interested in, like, discovering, like, what's around, getting the, like, big picture. So that's kind of a good, good thing, I think. Paper maps are making their way back. But let's get back to the GPS. So GPS, uh, my GPS, it, it really doesn't, um, doesn't really bark at me unless I make a wrong turn. And then if I make a wrong turn, my GPS says, maybe yours does the same. What, is, what does it say? Yeah, recalibrating, recalibrating, recalibrating. Make a wrong move, recalibrate. That's when it starts talking to me is when I make a wrong move. Some of you are bored right now, and you're thinking, why are you talking about this GPS? Here's what I'm talking about. Today, we're going to talk about God's GPS system. God's GPS system uh, are a group of people, men and women, called the prophets. And when God's people make a wrong move, and they start to wander... And God's people have always been prone to wander. The prophets go, recalibrate, recalibrate, wrong move, wrong move, bridge out, disaster, stop. That's what the prophets do. Let me explain where we are in the series. This year, uh, we're going through uh, the Bible, and we are in this series called Live This Book, and we have been hitting four of these statements out of these seven so far. We right now are in God's people rebel. We're like halfway through. This is number 19. We're like halfway through this series. And when God's people rebel, like when they build idols, like Pastor Matt talked about last week, then God sends the prophets. And what the prophets do is that they are like the GPS. And they go, recalibrate. Hey, you guys, wrong way. (laughs) Don't go that way. That's God's prophets. God's prophets speak for God. I love what the scholar Bruce uh, Waltke wrote. Through the prophets, the invisible God becomes audible. Through the prophets, the invisible God becomes audible. They speak for him. Yahweh makes this clear uh, in this passage, Deuteronomy. The Lord, and when it's capital L-O-R-D, that's his personal name, Yahweh. Yahweh said to me, this is Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. Serious thing. What do prophets do? They speak Yahweh's words for him. They make the invisible God audible. And when God's people go in the wrong way, 
They go, boom, boom, wrong way, wrong way, wrong way. You're wandering off course, wrong way. Sometimes when I have talked about the prophets, I talk about the fact that they're God's a spokesperson. And so we're familiar with the idea of God's uh, of spokespeople. So here are two spokespeople right here. So this is Dean Winters, Dean Winters and Stephanie Courtney, although they don't care if you really know their names or not, because they don't speak for themselves. They speak for, he speaks for, does anybody know? Allstate, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, this is an Allstate insurance agent right here, right here. And then uh, this, and she speaks for obviously progressive so um, they don't care if you know who they are. They speak for someone else. And Yahweh's prophets, they speak for him. But when they speak, they don't speak about all state or progressive. When the prophets speak, what do they speak about? They speak about the covenant. The covenant is a partnership that God has made uh, with his people. He's made this partnership with them. And when uh, people get away from that partnership, God's prophets speak to him. Remember, God called Abram from Ur the Chaldees, and he made a promise to Abraham in this area. Miraculously, uh, Abram has uh, children, and then he has, God says, your children are going to be like the stars of the sky. And um, then his children end up coming here, and while they're in Egypt, they grow bigger and bigger, and they become like a nation. And then God saves the people out of Egypt, and that's called the what? Exodus. And he brings them into this area to give them the law. So when he gives them the law, the law is about building culture. Pastor Charles talked about this. He wants them to be a certain kind of people so that when people travel through their new land, everybody will go, oh, man, you guys are the righteous ones. You guys are the ones that are all about truth and justice. So they travel to this land, which is like right in this area where everybody has to go. And so the idea is that they will be people of truth and righteousness and justice, be a city on a hill, and everybody will fall in love with Yahweh because God's people are following the covenant. So we read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 4. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as Yahweh my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way Yahweh our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you? They were to be a people of the law 
so that other people would see these people are about righteousness and justice. Oh my gosh, we should be like this people. And God's people would grow bigger and bigger and bigger. But the prophets, they show up most when God's people rebel. And so if you look at a timeline of when the prophets actually occur, it makes perfect sense. So you got Abraham, Moses, David, Malachi. When are the prophets? They're basically just squished into one area. This is when they come back right here, basically about from 722 to about 450. All of these prophets come down because this is when God's people are going, whoa, 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 whoa. And then God sends one prophet after another, after another, and saying, recalibrate, wrong way. They are God's GPS system. And when God's people start to wander, man, he just goes, hey, here's this GPS, here's this GPS. You guys are going the wrong way. And if you don't turn around, disaster is coming. How you guys doing? It seems real quiet in here. You guys okay? GPS, God's GPS, the prophets. They occur to us uh, in the Bible in uh, two kind of different ways. There are non-writing prophets, and I just listed a few of them, Deborah, Nathan, Elijah, Elijah, and then there are the writing prophets, and there's a bunch of them, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then the 12. My job today is to do a talk on all of that. This is a lot of literature in the Bible. So, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Before I get into that part of the talk, though, let me kind of answer a question that occurs um, pretty frequently. Somebody might come up to uh, me or Charles or Matt and say something like this. Hey, hey, Pastor Chris, um, do we still have prophets today? That's a fairly common uh, question. And I hate to sound academic, but the answer to that question is... um, Yes and no. It depends on what you mean by the word prophet. Because if you mean by the word prophet, like the Old Testament sense, someone who actually speaks for God, that is what they say, Yahweh says, that is their words are equal to Scripture. We don't have anybody like that anymore. We don't have anybody like that. Nobody's speaking for God in that what they say, they go, thus saith the Lord, and then they speak. And if you're around anybody who says they have that, just back away. Just, just back away. <laughs> back away. Don't pay attention to them. Uh, they're not God's prophet. But prophets do speak to us in that the Holy Spirit has given a gift of prophecy to some people. And it's not like the Old Testament prophets, but it's people not who speak for God, but they speak from God. They're prompted by the relationship with the Holy Spirit to say things that God is like prompting them to say. So if you know anything about the New Testament, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and other places, and you can find the gift of prophecy. And I know people who have the gift of prophecy. You know people like that too. Sometimes they say things and you go, I need to pay attention to that. You know what I'm talking about? We know they're speaking like from God by the witness of the community, the church, and by the witness of the scriptures. So um, 
everything they have to say it needs to be in line with what the Bible has to say, and it needs to also be in line with what other people in the community have to say. And then you need to pay attention to those people. I have people like that that speak into my life, and praise God for them. So there are prophets today. It just depends on what you mean by the word prophet. How you doing? I think I have to wake you guys up. Hey, um, so this is what I could do right now. I could, there's all kinds of prophets, prophetic literature. So I could go into the prophetic literature and we could find a couple of passages that like speak to what Israel should be doing when they go astray. No, it's very not, not hard to find at all. We could do that. And you know, we say all the time around here, the Bible is not written to us, but it's written for us. So I could like go back into the scriptures and say, well, this is Israel going astray here and this is God said to them, put some lessons for our lives and we can pray and go home. I think we'd be amiss if I did that. I think it would be better to actually read the prophets as if they were speaking to us because God's people have always been prone to rebel, prone to wander. You agree with that? So let's do that. How would they speak to us today? No, let's not do that. I got a better idea. Because actually, I'm not an expert on you guys. I, I think I understand the way you wander. But I'm actually an expert on me. I know how I wander. And I wander. So I think I can speak with authority about myself. So that's the rest of the message. How your friendly neighborhood pastor wanders from time to time and how the prophets can help me. And may God use this to bless your lives in some way. And I am prone to wander. Here's the first thing. I'm prone to trust the wrong things. This is me, not you. This is about politics. Can I talk about politics? It's about power. Prophets say this. It's Isaiah. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from Yahweh. Now, prophetic literature is all over the Bible like this because Israel was a very dinky little country. And they didn't have big military. They didn't have much power. And so they were always in different periods of time in the Old Testament, you know, trusting in this country or that country or this country. And here Isaiah is talking about the fact that they're trusting in Egypt and the power that doesn't relate to me at all. I trust in the power of the United States of America. The question is, do I trust more in that or in Yahweh? I live in a country that has probably the most powerful military that's ever existed. Do not get me wrong. I am, I am proud to live in the United States, and I'm proud of this military. 
Freedom is not free, you guys. It costs people's lives. And I've stood on this very platform and talked about my uncle who died in World War II. I got two brother-in-laws who fought in Vietnam. Anytime I come up to somebody who served in the military, I always walk up to a service person and say, thank you for your service. I always do that. But what would happen to me in my relationship with Yahweh if I lived in the Ukraine right now? Would I, would I, would my trust in Yahweh be the same as it is now and I live in this powerful country? Or what if I was a believer in Bangladesh? Or what if I was a believer in Kenya? Is my confidence in Yahweh based upon the fact that I live in this powerful country? And I'm saying sometimes I think it is. Because I've traveled in the world and I've gone to places where they do not have a strong country and they do not have a strong military. And I sit in homes and have dinner with people and their trust in Yahweh is higher than mine. Even though their country is falling apart. And I admire those people. And I'm just saying, Sometimes I can trust in our own system more than I'm actually trusting in Yahweh. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I also trust in uh, wealth too much. This is what Yahweh says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am Yahweh, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares Yahweh. Not supposed to uh, boast of riches. And that's hard. I'm a wealthy man. I, uh, I own a house a couple miles from here. Uh, I drive two cars. I'm wealthy enough that I can actually take road trips. Most of the people in the world can't take a road trip. I can take a road trip. And I can spend a night in a hotel. I have so many clothes, they don't all fit in the same closet. I got stuff in my basement. I don't even know I have stuff. In, I don't even know what's in my basement. I'm afraid to go in my basement sometimes thinking, I got all this stuff down here. I don't even know. Where did I get all this stuff? Never been hungry. You know, my dad um, was born in 1920, grew up in the Depression. I made the mistake once when I was a teenager to say, Man, I'm hungry. I said that around my dad. That's a mistake. <laughs> my dad turned on me like, a, like that on a dime. He says, you've never been hungry a day in your life. During the Depression, his mother and father abandoned him. He lived on the street, made his own way. He was hungry. My wife and I are now at the stage of our life where we're playing the guessing game of have we saved enough? <laughs> I know it doesn't mean much to many of you in the room, but when you get into your 60s and 70s and 80s, you, it's a game you play. It's a kind of a math game. Talk to people who help you with investments. Have, have, we, 
Have we saved? Have we saved enough? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And if one of us gets a really bad disease, no, the answer is no. No, no, we're going to run out. But what, what if we don't get a bad disease? What if we make it like to our mid-80s or so? You know? And then, you know, one of us is going to die before the other. And then, you know, maybe we still have money left. And then we go, all right. Yeah. We, I made it. Wow. I saved enough. Is that boasting? Let's look at that passage again. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, strong boast of their strength, boast in their riches. Well, Pastor Chris, shouldn't we save? Shouldn't we? Oh, totally. You know what? If you've been around Blackhawk, you know that we talk about the book of Proverbs and the ant that saves and we should save. We talk about financial peace and that you should absolutely do. I'm not talking about the amount of money. I'm talking about my heart. I'm talking about my heart. And is my heart so wrapped in money that I worry about it? There's something about money that binds us to time and it blinds us to eternity. And it causes us to wander. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm prone uh, to not delight in the things I should delight in. I'm prone to not care about the things that God cares about. What does God care about? Let's go back to the Jeremiah 9 passage. Have you noticed we've been in this passage a little bit? Well, let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me, that I am Yahweh who exercises. Kindness, chesed, justice, mishpat, righteousness, tzedek, on the earth. In these I delight. That's the mission. That's the mission. We keep talking about it over and over again. The mission isn't like, hey, get saved, go to heaven. That's not the mission. The mission is to be my people. And you obey these laws and these principles so other people can go, oh, wow, these people are righteous. These people are just. These people are like awesome. Because God is the one who cares about kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. I should be that person too. Do I care about justice and just laws? Isaiah 10. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows of their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slaves. God's people wander off. They accumulate wealth and riches, and they don't care about people who don't have anything. They don't pay attention to laws that are unjust. And God says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And I have to ask myself, do I care about unjust laws? 
And lots of times I say to myself, I don't really. I, don't, I really don't. It's too complex. It's too complex. You ever, you ever thought about immigration and the border laws and stuff like that? Just dig into that. That's a, compl- that's a complex issue. It's a complex issue. And I, don't, I just don't even want to think about it. There are a lot of things that are happening in our world today, and I said, this is too complex. This is like, what? How are the Cubs doing? Let's talk about that. It's just too, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. In the last several years, we've tried to focus on the mission of God more and more here at Blackhawk Church and to preach about justice and righteousness. Why? Because that's, these are things that God delights in. I remember in 2012, we did a series, and uh, the other guy on the teaching team was a guy named Tim. Tim and I did this series here at Blackhawk on this platform about justice. And we have people leave the church because of it. And it hurt me. And I, and I and go up to these people and say, well, why, why, why are you leaving? And he said, you, you, you guys are, are, are moving politically to the left. Well, why do you say that? Because you're preaching about justice. It's a, it's a sad day when a, when a term that's so important to God becomes politicized. So, so that if you talk about justice, well, you're on the left. Really? I got a bunch of friends who are on the right. They really care about justice, too. <laughs> you know, at Black Hawk Church, uh, we try not to be partisan. Uh, we don't want to be about the politics of the right. We don't want to be about the politics of the left. We want to be about the politics of the king. The king. King is a political term. <laughs> and our king cares about justice. And when we see something that's not right, we go, well, that, that's not right. That's not right. Why is that? Do I care to ask those questions? I'm telling you, sometimes I don't care enough to ask those questions. It's about me. It's such an important concept to God that uh, we've decided to put a whole Sunday around it. That's the Sunday next week. Michael Napstead's going to deliver a very powerful talk. I'm also prone to lose hope. I'm prone to lose hope. We... uh, We live in a world where uh, major decisions are made by people who uh, don't even believe in objective truth. Uh, we, we, we live in a world where we, um, we don't share common values on the nature of moral authority, the nature of truth, the nature of the human being. We live in that world. The world's very different today than when I was born in the late 50s and... Uh, it's going to be very different for my grandchildren when they're my age in the 2080s. And I think in our country, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And personally, and the more I watch the news, my, this is me, not you, this is me. I'm prone to lose hope. I'm prone to lose hope. And when I wander like that, God's GPS system comes on, boom, recalibrate, recalibrate, really? 
And I come to a Christmas Eve service, and I read this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be an end someday. No, no, no. No end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of Yahweh Almighty will accomplish this. Someone say amen. Yeah, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. We're not going down, 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 down. This is where we're heading, right here. Yahweh is in charge. It might be turmoil to us. It's not turmoil to God. Nothing's spinning out of control. (laughs) Yahweh is in complete control. And his son is going to come back and establish righteousness and justice on the earth. Praise God. With that. But personally, I don't think about that enough. I'm prone to lose hope. Just telling you the way it is. In order for one of these things to work, you actually have to pay attention to it. You got to pay attention. <laughs> you know, because it can work really good, but like if you're not obeying it, it's like, you know. This became real uh, clear to me. Um, on July 6th, uh, 2021. For those of you who are not familiar with Blackhawk Church, um, I'm the pastor emeritus now. I used to be uh, the senior pastor, and I uh, stopped that job on July 1st, 2021, and Matt Mesker is now the senior pastor. Praise God that I'm not the senior pastor anymore. Pray for Matt, pray for Matt. Praise God. And if anybody's counting, that was 577 days ago, actually. My wife and I wanted to do what we enjoy more than anything else uh, after we uh, kind of stopped being the senior pastor, and that was we were going to go on a... And it's a long road trip, about an 8,000-mile road trip, and we were going to start on uh, like the Friday of that next week, that was July 6th, and we got the car packed, and we were ready to go, and it was like, awesome, 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 awesome. We couldn't wait to get out of Madison. Our first stop was Florida. So it's like, okay, here we go, longest road trip ever of all time. Got the snacks in the car, got everything ready, and here we go. We go down I-90, we're heading south towards Illinois, and the weirdest thing happens. All of a sudden, the GPS says, Hey, you need to get off here at the first Edgerton exit and take Highway 51 through Edgerton and Janesville. Like, what? What? I've been on this road about a million times. I'm not going to go through stoplights in Janesville when I can drive 70 or 80 on Highway 90. (laughs) No way. My wife hears the GPS saying, you know, get off, get off, get off. And she says, she looks at me and she says, are you going to do what the GPS says? No, I'm not going to do what the GPS says. Big mistake. (laughs) Watch this. 
The first warned traffic alert southbound lanes of I-3990 in Jadesville remain closed because of a multi-vehicle crash and vehicle fires. This is near Mount Zion Avenue and Milwaukee Street. This is some viewer video from near the scene. You can see the smoke. Authorities say three people are injured. All are expected to be okay. Janesville police expect this lane closure to last all the way until 9 p.m. We... Because I didn't listen to the GPS, this is the way we started out our vacation. I was in a parking lot on I-90 for four hours. And man, did I let God know what I thought about that. Then I had to confess my sins to God. I'm pretty sure he forgave me about those things that I said. I got out of the car and started walking around. And I stepped in the biggest gob of bubble gum you could ever imagine. And then I let God have it more and I confess those sins. I'm pretty sure he forgave me. This is the way we started our road trip. All because I didn't pay attention to the GPS. And I wandered in the wrong direction. I just have a sneaking suspicion that I'm not the only one who's wandered off the path. I'm not the only one who's prone to wander. Some of you are going... You got one closet with clothes? I got five. I've been in my basement. It's a mess, too. Many of us are prone to wander. And what I have to say to all of you who are wandering, welcome to Blackhawk Church. We're a church of wandering people who get off where we should be. We care more about our own self-interest than we care about justice and righteousness and truth. We care more about our wealth than we care about people who have nothing. And we wander away from where God wants us to be. Welcome to Blackhawk. Bunch of wanderers. But we are committed to ask God to forgive us for our wandering and to listen to the prophets and to delight in the things that Yahweh delights in. What's he delighted in? Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have an understanding to know me, that I am Yahweh who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. This is prophetic. Are these the kind of things that I delight in? That's the question. Father, I just want to confess right now uh, my sins of uh, being, of wandering and, and wrestling and wrestling with you. I think my sins are, are more grave because um, I'm older. I know better. I, I've been in your word so much through my life. And yet still, I cannot trust you. It's, it's just wrong. Things that you have given to me become more important to me than you. I see in your word where you have called out to your people. 
And now you call us. And you call out to us. May we be people who obey and listen to the prophets. We pray this in Jesus' name. And really, for the sake of his reputation in this community, all God's people say.